Welcome to Wild Ortho Wednesdays, the podcast, with your hosts, Doctors Randall Beaupre and Cody Petrie. Welcome to another episode of Wild Ortho Wednesdays, the podcast. Randall Beaupre here with my co-host and co-resident Cody Petrie. So last week we discussed the diagnosis and ED management of proximal fibular avulsion fractures, and this week we've got a great case from the Wild Ortho Wednesdays series. As always, the views expressed here on the podcast do not represent the views of the Maricopa Medical Center or the Maricopa Emergency Medicine Residency Program. All right, Cody, let's take a listen as myself and rock star intern Dominic Pappas work through this case. Would you like to hear about the new gentleman in bed 24? Yeah, Dominic, go for it. Here we have a 50-year-old male with no significant past medical history who presented us complaining of decreased range of motion and pain in his left pinky. He said he was playing a game of pickup basketball last week when he jammed the finger attempting to catch a pass from a teammate. Although he iced his hand and took ibuprofen, the pain never fully went away, and he presented to the ED not being able to extend the finger completely. Gotcha. So, what would you say he looks like now? How is his pain? On exam, he was neurovascularly intact, but the fifth digit on his left hand was flexed slightly at the proximal interphalangeal joint and extended at the distal interphalangeal joint. He was able to flex the digit fully when making a fist, but when asked to extend his fingers, he wasn't able to do so with that pinky. He had mild swelling over the proximal interphalangeal joint with some echimosis that looked old. There was mild tenderness to palpation over the PIP joint and the DIP exam was completely normal. His pain really isn't that bad now at rest. He describes it as an aching two out of 10 after taking Tylenol and ibuprofen at home. Right on, sounds good. So what do you think is going on here? And what do you think you want to do Well, it sounds like he may have injured an extensor tendon in his finger when it got jammed during the game, and now he's unable to flex at the PIP. First, I'd like to get x-rays of his hand just to make sure there's no fracture of the bone, or if there is a fracture, that there's no fragment in the joint space itself. If needed, I'll give him some pain medications, and we'll go from there. Good work, my friend. Sounds like a plan. Well, let's touch base as things start rolling in, and let me know what you find. For our listeners, be sure to check out our website where you can take a look at the x-rays from our cases and see the original WOW post for a concise summary. All right, so what Dom was describing to me, particularly with the flexion of the PIP and extension at that DIP, sounds like a classic boutonniere deformity that arose from jamming his finger with the basketball. Ah, the classic boutonniere deformity. So this guy jammed his finger, and that's what led to the boutonniere deformity. But what typically causes this injury? Well, honestly, the mechanism that occurred in this guy is pretty common. You know, acute trauma to an extended digit can cause a rupture of the central slip extensor tendon that runs dorsally midline on the finger, and this pulls on that middle phalange and extends the finger at the PIP. By the way, we've got a great diagram on our website you can take a look at to help visualize this mechanism. A rupture of the central slip tendon on its own, however, may not necessarily cause this boutonniere deformity because there are lots of supporting collateral structures in the finger. Typically an injury to the triangular ligament, which is the ligament that joins the central slip tendon and the lateral bands must occur also for there to be a true boutonniere deformity. This injury can also occur insidiously through inflammatory conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, and this leads over time to weakening and eventually tearing of the tendon. The proximal interphalangeal joint here is flexed from the mechanism we just talked about. However, the DIP is extended in these injuries. This is because the lumbricals of the finger pull volarly on the distal phalange. 
This pole is now unopposed because the central slip tendon has been ruptured and is not providing any resistance. Awesome. So again, guys, go take a look at our website for a diagram of the tendons and the injury that occurred here. This gentleman had an obvious boutonniere deformity when he presented approximately a week after the injury occurred. But if this patient came in right after the injury, how could you assess for a central slip injury on physical exam to hopefully prevent a boutonniere deformity from ever forming? Great question, Cody. Because there are collateral mechanisms helping the finger extend besides the central slip tendon, we have to really try and isolate the tendon itself to assess it. This is done using the Elson test, and videos of this maneuver can easily be found online. But essentially, the examiner will passively flex the finger over the edge of a table, and the patient will actively try to extend the finger while the examiner resists the extension. If there's a full rupture of the tendon, the examiner may not feel any power fighting the resistance at all. However, the examiner may feel some pushback if the central slip tendon has just slipped over to the edge or is not fully ruptured. Good to know. So it is important to catch these early so that the boutonniere deformity does not form like in our unfortunate gentleman in this case. So let's recap briefly. Our patient came in about a week after jamming his finger playing basketball. The pain wasn't all that bad, but he wasn't able to extend his finger fully. On exam, it was discovered that he had a boutonniere deformity. If the patient had presented earlier, we could have used the Elson test to uncover an injury to the central slip tendon, and the injury could have been managed appropriately. With that said, what is the management of these patients, Bo? Do they need surgery? Yeah, so as we discussed, early diagnosis really permits permanent deformation or loss of function of the finger. As ED docs, uh, we can splint the PIP in full extension and we'll just tell the patient it's important to not take off the splint at any time. Uh, the splint should be in place for about six weeks and the patient really needs to be seen in sports medicine or an orthopedic clinic for further follow-up. Thing to note here is that most chronic boutonniere deformities don't need surgery. However, there are a few important indications where the surgeons really should get involved. These include acute displaced avulsion fractures, acute closed injuries not amenable to that PIP splinting. If the fracture is open, the surgeon should really get involved. If the injury is secondary to something like rheumatoid arthritis, a PIP arthrodesis may be required, and we should get our surgical friends on board. Just to come full circle now, let's go back and hear what happened to the patient in the emergency department. Hey Dom, looks like everything came back for that guy over 24. What are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. The radiographs did indeed show the same flexion at the PIP and extension at the DIP, as well as a possible avulsion fracture with bony fragment, but the fragment was not displaced and was not in the joint space itself. The finger was able to be passively extended fully, so a splint was placed at the PIP. I instructed the patient to keep the splint on all of the time for the next four to six weeks and that he really needs to follow up in our sports medicine clinic. I don't think surgery needs to get involved at this time. All right, yeah, good work. So make sure he really understands that he can't take that splint off in order for his finger to heal properly. And besides that, I think he's all set to go. Good work, my friend. Well, that does it for this episode of Wild Ortho Wednesdays podcast. We hope you learned a little something. We'll join us next week for another case. Please head over to our website to view the images discussed in this case, as well as to take a look at the original Wild Ortho Wednesday series post for a consolidated review. Also, if you're interested in more content like this, be sure to sign up for the Wild Ortho Wednesdays email series sent out by Dr. William Dan of the University of Arizona. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.